All right. Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'd, uh, sorry for that little delay right there. I'd like to welcome everyone who is watching on Zoom and on Facebook Live. Uh, I am Will Driscoll, the Executive Director of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. I know that it looks like we're kind of getting towards the end here, uh, at least as far as the complete stoppage in sports. But again, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to join us here on the Facebook Live Hall Call interview series we're doing. Um, we're getting closer, as I just mentioned. UFC's come back, NASCAR's come back, golf is on the schedule. Uh, but as you can see, I'm talking to today uh, a Major League Baseball pitcher from Virginia, uh, Daniel Hudson, and hopefully we'll be able to see him on the mound uh, sometime here soon. Daniel is a 2019 World Series champion with the Washington Nationals, uh, but a lot of people might remember him, at least locally, prior to that from his time at Princess Anne High School and ODU Baseball. He's now entering his 11th major league season. Daniel, thanks for taking the time out to join us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, obviously, everybody, this is on Facebook Live. So if you do have any questions you want us to get asked, uh, please feel free to put them on the feed and we'll see if we can get them up on the stream. Now, let's jump right into it. Uh, one year ago today, the Nationals were 19 and 29. However, you were in Toronto, so you had nothing to do with that record at all. Uh, fast forward a few months and you were acquired in a pretty much was a, a key deadline deal for the Nationals. What was going through your head as you were making that transition from Toronto, who was kind of struggling at the time, very young, talented team, to the Nationals who were surging? Yeah, I uh, saw, so, I don't know, even before I was in Toronto, I was actually uh, in, in spring training with the Angels uh, last season and I uh, thought I had a pretty good shot of making that club, but, you know, get down to the end of camp and there's some roster crunching going on. And they basically told me I was on the outside looking in and they're going to give me my, uh, my out at the end of the camp and basically just release me. So I could hopefully have a, have a chance to sign with another team pretty quick. And luckily the, uh, the, the blue Jays had a need right there at the end of camp. And I literally went from here in Phoenix, Tempe to, uh, to Dunedin, Florida, back up to Toronto in about 36 hours. And, uh, three days later, it's opening day in Toronto. So, uh, that was kind of a whirlwind week. And yeah, like you said, Toronto kind of struggled. We, we weren't really playing that well early on. Uh, we had a very young team, very talented team, but young and experienced. And uh, my role kind of transitioned to a kind of back end of the bullpen guy where, you know, most of the time I was going to pitch when we had a lead and, um, you know, going on, you know, every, every so often there'd be a couple of times, you know, maybe I didn't throw for five or six days because we weren't really winning that much. So, uh, kind of allowed me to really get some extra work in on the side and, uh, you know, before games and get off the mound a couple of times per week and just really work on some mechanical tweaks that me and the, the coaching staff kind of figured and worked on and um, just jumping on, like I said, two, three times a week, making sure I got that work in as well as my game work in and just kind of really got in a really good place mechanically and started throwing a ball with some confidence and uh, yeah, just jumped in and got a, uh, got traded to the nationals on deadline day and, you know, rest is history, kind of same thing, just transition to a back end of the bullpen role with the Nats and, um, you know, Doolittle had to take a little time off there in August with some knee issues and just kind of transition to an eighth inning, ninth inning guy. And I found myself pitching, you know, a lot of ninth innings in the, in the middle of a, of a pennant, pennant chase, which was exciting. Well, you mentioned that back end role, which is what a lot of people remember from that, that, uh, from that run to the World Series. Um, you know, winning the World Series in and of itself is rare, but being the guy who's a part of the clinching moment is even more rare. It only happens once a year and it's usually a couple guys, but you are ingrained in people's memories now. Kind of take us through, you know, your that moment, a couple moments actually of one warming up in the bullpen, knowing you're going into the ninth inning with the lead, 
making that run from the bullpen to the mound, and then finally that ultimate pitch that won the Nats the World Series. Yeah, I've told I've told this story a few times now. Um, you know, Max Max really struggled. Scherzer really struggled, or not struggled, but he just battled really hard against the Astros there the first five innings, and they really ran his pitch count up, and he was gassed after five. So um, they went with another starter, Corbin. Patrick Corbin came in the out of the bullpen. He was probably only going to go one or two. Uh, that was the original plan. And literally probably from the sixth inning on, in the sixth, seventh, and eighth, if Pat got into trouble, I was going to have the, literally the next guy. So I was warming up in the sixth inning, the seventh inning, and the eighth inning. And then finally, you know, Corbin got through the eighth inning pretty much unscathed, and they called down and said, hey, you got the ninth inning. And that's when it kind of sat in, and I was like, oh, man, this is, uh, this is it right here. Luckily, we scored two more runs on the top of the ninth to kind of give us a four-run cushion instead of two. Um, and then – Originally, the plan was I was only going to face the first two guys. Um, it was uh, Springer and Altuve because they're both right-handed, and then Brantley was coming up. So Doolittle was warming up behind me. He was going to come in to get the lefty-lefty matchup on Brantley. So my thinking as I'm warming up and jogging in from the bullpen is I can't screw this up. We're up four. I can't screw it up in two hitters. So let's just go out there and have fun and, and try to yeah, get You can't lose guys. it in two hitters. Yeah, I can't <laughs> lose it. I literally can't lose this game in two hitters. So – Let's just uh, let's just go out there and have fun and, and do what do do your job. And I got the first two guys and, and I struck out Altuve on three pitches. Got him got him out in five pitches. And I looked in the dugout, kind of expecting Davey to come out and get me. And he just pointed at me and said, "You got it." And I was like, "Oh, I gotta lock it back in now." So uh, let's uh, let's go get Brantley and get out of here with a, with a ring. But you're standing there on the mound, and that is your moment. You know, it's a moment that that fan base had been dying for. It's it's the younger fan base, but there's still people who remember the old Washington Senators. So it's a long time coming for Washington. But talking about you specifically, you know, you've been on quite a journey in your career. You start, you had some promising, uh, a promising beginning as a starter, but then two Tommy John surgeries. You know, one Tommy John sometimes is enough to push somebody out, but you had two, four different teams from there. And then now you're standing on the mound uh, to win the World Series. Kind of talk about how you've been able to overcome that adversity and then make yourself that valuable component to a championship team. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely been a, a long journey. Um, you know, at the beginning of this, you, you mentioned that I've been in, uh, I'm going into my 11th year in the big leagues and I can't believe it's been that long. You know, it's just kind of, uh, I feel like it's just yesterday. Like I can remember the feelings I had, you know, warming up in the bullpen for my major league debut in 2009, you know, and it's just, it's crazy to think that that was 11 years ago. Uh, a marriage ago, three kids ago, you know, and it's been a, it's been a long journey. Like you said, I've, I've been a, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, but I think what really got me through all those downtimes, you know, with the injuries and, um, you know, struggle there for a little while for in a couple couple seasons was just the strong support system I have at home. Um, you know, I have great parents, uh, great loving family here. I got three girls that love me more than anything. My wife, uh, really, really got me through those hard times and just really lean on that support system and, um, you know, go through the rehab and, you know, that moment of standing there on the mound game seven and, and throwing that final pitch and, and jumping in your catcher's arms and having your guys mob you on the, on the pitcher's mound. I mean, that makes all that worth it. You know, all that stuff that you go through, all the, all the blood, sweat and tears you pour into this game at 25 years of playing it. Um, you know, it, it makes everything you did worth it. And, uh, you know, I couldn't have been more proud of, of us and our team in that moment. Whose idea was it to throw the glove? Yeah. You know, it was, it's kind of weird. I, I did it after the, uh, after the wild card game. I just kind of like, I don't, the, the wild card game was just so, such a sh 
quick turn of events. Everybody that watched it knows what's what happened. You know, Soto getting that hit, and I'm warming up. I was going to go pitch the ninth inning no matter what, even if we were still losing three to one. Uh, Soto gets the hit, gets past the right fielder. I've never pitched in an atmosphere like I pitched in Nats Park that night. Like the just the energy of the the crowd because he made the out on the bases, so I didn't have time to kind of think about it. It's like, all right, I'm down three to one. I'm going to pitch. And then all of a sudden we're up four to three. And now I got a chance to send us to the net, to the division series. And the, the, the moment that he got out on the bases and the crowd was just so into it. I couldn't even hear my, uh, my entrance music, you know, when I was jogging in from the bullpen, that's how loud the stadium was. And, uh, you know, I guess my the hair on my neck is standing up right now thinking about it. It's just, it was so crazy. So I got the third out in the wild card game and I just kind of just black out. I just, I, I watched <laughs> it the next day. I, Robles catches it in center field. I turn around, chuck my glove, and everybody was like, "Man, that was so cool! Did you play in that?" I'm like, "No, not at all." So, fast forward to Game Five of the Division Series. Doolittle gets the final out in Game Five. He turns around and chucks his glove. I got to kind of dodge it coming out of the bullpen, and I was like, "I don't know if he was kind of making fun of me right there or what." So, again, fast forward to Game Four of the NLCS. Oh crap! You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I just hit the side button on my phone. Uh, fast forward to NLCS game four and really high pop up to Robles in center field. I'm like, I got to chuck this glove again. So I did it again after Robles caught it. So all three of those outs came on fly balls in center field. So we each had time to kind of think about it on the last two. I get the strikeout and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to throw this glove. So I turn around and chuck it. By the time I remember all the guys are running out. I got to throw it up over everybody now so I don't hit anybody in the face. So I don't, I don't know where it ended up, but somebody grabbed it and put it in my locker for me, thankfully. I'd be interested to see the velocity on it because that thing came out of your hand like a rocket. I didn't mean to throw it that hard, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't have, as you, as you know, here in Virginia, we don't have, you know, a hometown team per se. You know, we have minor leagues and things like that. You know, kind of talk about once you get that trade to the Nationals and now you're in the thick of it, down here, we get all the Nationals games, so your family locally can watch. You have that support base. You even played with Ryan Zimmerman, another Virginia Beach guy. You mentioned Doolittle, who went to UVA. There's all these Virginia connections on that team, and, you know, Nats Park is a, a, a stone's throw away from the border. You know, did that make it any more special, being able to do it where everybody in your support group really could see you could see you win the World Series? Yeah, man, that was cool. Um, I, I can't tell you how many how many of my you know friends, high school friends, uh, guys I went to college with. You know, a lot of them literally like they they work up and they work and live up in the the DMV, the DC area now. Like it's it's crazy. Like I would get, you know, it was awesome. I get you know text calls, hey, let's go grab a beer after this game. I'm coming to the game tonight. Let's meet up afterwards or something like that. And it was really cool to kind of experience that. Um, my wife and I had actually kind of talked about that one time. Uh, the first time I was in free agency. Um, the Nats kind of called and had some interest, but it just didn't, you know, nothing really lined up. And my wife and I talked about it. We, we would say how cool because my wife's from Richmond. Obviously, we both went to ODU together. And uh, we always thought it'd be cool to, to be in that atmosphere, to, to play closer to home. And obviously, um, Zim, I was still in high school and college when Zim was kind of bursting on the scene with the Nats and seeing the local papers and the coverage of Zim. I always thought that was really neat to kind of have that, um, you know, every every morning there'd be a Zimmerman update at the bottom of the front page of the sports page in the pilot, you know? So I thought 
that would be really neat to kind of experience that. And yeah, I definitely lived up to the, to the hype, man. That was, that was really cool to, you know, my brother could shoot up from Virginia beach. My dad could shoot up there for a weekend, catch a game or two. And, you know, I never had that. I played on the West coast for the majority of my, my career. I, you know, I live in Arizona now. I played here for six and a half years, played in LA for a season. So to have that experience where I could literally just, even if I wanted to just shoot down and visit my dad and my brother on an off day, if I wanted to, that, that was really cool. Now, you guys really haven't had the chance to, you know, kind of celebrate outside of the actual celebrations, but celebrate, you know, with the fans winning the World Series and being the defending champs. But this Sunday, you are getting your rings in the virtual ring ceremony. Now, reports have, uh, have said that the rings have already been mailed out. Are you under strict orders to not open the ring or have you seen the rings yet? I know I, from what I know, I don't, I don't know if Zim might be different just cause he's, you know, he's been there forever. He might've been involved in seeing them or designing them, you know? Um, but from all I know, nobody's seen it. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited to, to do that. Um, you know, hopefully everything works out. I know there's, it's, it's kind of might be difficult with some guys schedules to, you know, clear a Sunday afternoon to do that. But um, you know, if ever, if it works out and everybody gets to, to be a part of it, that'd be really neat. Um, we're all excited. Obviously, we're really disappointed we can't really do it with our fans there. Um, but we feel like this will kind of the anticipation of the next time we are able to play in front of the fans. It'll just make it even better, you know, raising that championship banner, um, sharing it, sharing that moment with the fans of 48,000 people at Nats Park. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what that's kind of part of being a world champion, you know, and we haven't really gotten that, um, you know, through throughout this whole thing. And obviously, we don't know when we're going to be able to play with in front of people anymore or yet again and if it's uh not till next year then i feel like it'll make it even better well diehard nats fans will know the significance of the date may 24th but that was the day last year that they hit rock bottom and they were 19 and 31 and then from there we all know what happened um but now let's kind of fast forward into into this current situation you guys were knee deep in preparation i mean we're weeks away from starting the season and everything is put on hold and you have no clue at that time what's going on and really right now you might still not have a, a clue but how challenging has it been these last two months to maintain a level of fitness preparedness for that moment when you could get the call to say, Hey, you got to get back to the facility. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really difficult. Um, obviously in Arizona, I'm sure it's the same in Virginia talking to my dad, he still lives back there. And um, you know, we literally just started reopening stuff last week here in Arizona. So uh, my wife and I bit the bullet, we got a Peloton bike and we, I have some kettlebells, kettlebell stuff. I've been throwing into a net. Uh, you know, it's just kind of do what you can, you know, like just doing body weight circuits in the backyard, using the steps by the hot tub, you know, using for step ups, you know, it's just doing what you can. And unfortunately it is getting kind of hot here now. So we got to kind of get our workouts in in the morning before it gets really hot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we were, you know, going head first, diving head first into the season, man. Like you said, we were two, three weeks away from, from opening the season in New York and, um, like you said, everything gets put on hold and we actually were thinking about staying there in Florida for, for a couple of weeks and just kind of trying to wait it out. And then sure enough, a week later, they, they said, Hey, we're not doing anything for at least eight weeks. So let's just get, we're, we just decided to get out of there and come home to Arizona. Um, we feel like we could get more stuff done and get the kids kind of more in a, in a regular routine. Um, you know, especially when they close the beaches in Florida, <laughs> they're all right. Now we really don't have anything to do, you know, so let's, uh, let's go home. And uh, yeah, like you said, it's been difficult, but everybody's in the same boat, man. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to take it one day at a time. And as Davey said last year, every single day, let's just go one and out a day and win your day and, well, you know, see what tomorrow brings.
how much prep time do you think you guys and the rest of the league would need to to basically do a sprint to the finish of an 80 100 game season like what was the modified spring training look like you know i think hopefully hopefully we get at least three weeks i think that would give all the starters two or three times through um through rotation maybe to get built up through uh you know three or four innings uh, i think they're going to give us some advanced raw you know uh uh expanded rosters at the beginning at least at the beginning so hopefully that'll take some of the burden off of uh the starters and some of the bullpen guys but uh yeah i mean it's just uh like i said two three weeks hopefully we get that done and uh you know we'll get out there and start winning some ball games there in july if fans are not allowed which obviously at the very beginning they're not going to be and then maybe even as you progress you might see a small number do you think it's better to play the games in the big cavernous major league stadiums or are we looking at the scenario where maybe playing in Florida and uh, Arizona in these small minor league facilities is, is probably a better atmosphere? Uh, I think most of us just getting the, uh, you know, kind of the gist of everybody's thoughts. I, I feel like most everybody kind of wants to go to go to our home, sta home fields, home stadiums, uh, you know, just, just in case, you know, they start light, uh, lightening the restrictions and pe people and fans can start coming in in small numbers. Um, you know, that'll give us a, a reason to not have to go to Florida and then go somewhere else. You know, we can just go to D.C., stay in D.C., um, you know, and then stay on the East Coast, obviously, and play all the East Coast teams. Um, but uh, it, it, logistically, I just don't think the Arizona plan would make sense just because I don't think you're going to be able to play games until eight o'clock at night here. Uh, the lights don't really aren't really up to par, um, you know, at the spring training complexes. It's just too hot during the day to play day games during the summer. So. I feel like uh, logistically, I've, I think everybody going to their home stadiums, um, even if it's nobody there, I think it's the best the best option. I actually have a, a question that came from a Phillies fan. So now that you're a Nats guy, don't get too upset at him. <laughs> but it's Sid from Philly, and he's wondering why can't the Phillies hit a home run? And I, I'll have to fact check this, but you've never given up a home run against the Phillies. Oh, man. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play them way too much now. i got to knock on wood. <laughs> uh that's right yeah. yeah i don't want to give you uh, i don't want to give them any uh incentive <laughs> i'm gonna give up one like every game now against them but uh no they <laughs> they obviously like you said they have some uh some uh some big time power guys it's kind of interesting you say that but um like i said i played on the west coast so it's just kind of sample size you know um obviously being in the bullpen there's sometimes where maybe i won't even pitch against them in a series um so i think uh you know, getting through their heart of their order now, especially with Bryce and uh, and Reese and JT, it's it's tough, man. Uh, they got a really talented lineup, and uh, you know they're going to give us a run for our money for sure in the East this year. That NL East is going to be stacked. Yeah. I mean, you got the yeah. World Series champions, obviously, but then you know you got that young Braves team. The Mets still have the pitching, and you just mm -hmm. went through the the lineup that the Phillies have. Uh, what's yeah. your approach? And whatever whatever the season concept is, you're going to play more games against them probably than anybody else. Uh, what's the approach against the NL East this year? It's tough. Like you said, man, it's, uh, I think, top to bottom, it's, you know, maybe the AOS gives us a little run for our money, but, um, you know, NL East, I feel like top to bottom is the deepest league in the, in the, in the, in the, in the league, man. It's, it's tough. There's no easy lineup. Even the Marlins, man, they're scrappy. They, you know, they might not put up a bunch of runs, but they got a lot of guys that put the bat on the ball. Um, you know, they got pretty solid young pitching. They got a good bullpen. Um, you know, they give us a tough time every, every time out. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a dog fight, man. It's uh, we're looking forward to the challenge and uh, hopefully we can uh, make some noise this year. 
got a couple more for you. This is a fun fact I actually learned uh, in, in kind of prepping for this. In 2011, you won the Silver Slugger at the yeah. pitching position uh, when you batted 277. And we're not talking a small sample size. You started 33 <laughs> games that year, uh, yeah. drove in 14 runs, uh, and you actually you had a homer. Are you ever in your manager's ear saying, hey, I don't think I'm going to pitch today, but how about that pinch hitting? How about that pinch I, hitting opportunity? I've definitely – chirped a couple of times. I got a couple of bats, um, 2018 with, with LA. Um, I had to actually had to make an emergency spot start. You got a, uh, got in that batter too. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I chirp sometimes, but I haven't gotten a hit. I've got two or three at bats since, since 2012, since I got injured and I haven't gotten a hit since then. So I actually obviously don't practice it at all anymore, but yeah, if we're, if we're up a little bit or my spot in the order is coming up, Hey, don't burn a pinch hitter right here. Let me go get in that bat. <laughs> um, but none of them ever, it never really works. They're all just like, yeah, we can't afford you getting hurt or something like that, you know? So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating because I do know at least back in the day I could, I could handle my own. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. That's just a nice little trophy piece to have in the uh, guest bedroom right now. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not every pitcher is a silver slugger. So there, there right. you are. You're, you're a, a trivia, <laughs> an answer to a trivia question. Uh, and, and one more thing, you know, locally, the pilot, I don't know if you've been following, but the pilot, obviously, during this time of no sports, we've been trying to figure out, like, how we can get content out there. They ran a bracket to see which state champion from Hampton Roads, a 757 area code, was the most memorable. And your 2005 uh, Princess Anne baseball team won. It was a really yeah. tightly contested race. I think the final, I think it was 50-50. I think you guys won by just a few votes over uh, Great Bridge High School uh, field hockey. But I went back and I did, I looked at the game story from that game and it was an amazing game. For those who don't know, Princess Anne defeated Osborne High School 11, 10, and 12 innings. They scored two runs with two outs in the bottom of the 12th. You actually started the game that day. And after yeah. three innings, you guys were down eight, nothing. But this, this blows my mind. And I don't know if you could do this in high school now. You would still went on to pitch 10 innings and throw 164 pitches that day. <laughs> Kept the team in the game. Yeah, these are the stories yeah. that legends are made of. What do you remember about that game, that team, and that moment becoming a state champion? Yeah, you wonder why I had a couple of Tommy John surgeries, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, man, I I still remember that day vividly. Uh, like you said, I started the game, started off terribly. I did not have great command early. There were a couple errors that led to some unearned runs, but um, yeah, I was brutal there the first couple innings. But luckily, we settled down and started chipping away a little bit and. Um, uh, I don't know if that game, I, my dad actually showed me the poll results and, you know, cause he, like I said, he still lives in the area. So he was showing me all the stuff and all the voting and whatnot. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, but uh, yeah, that game story, I don't know if it shows it in there or not, but I got not the two mile horn, but I actually, I tied the game in the seventh inning, but then I had just the biggest brain fart on third base, man. Uh, I'm, I'm saying on third base, I think there's one out. I'm the winning run. I just tied the game. I'm the winning run, the bottom of the seventh inning, and my guy comes up and hits a fly ball to left field. And for whatever reason, I don't tag up. I just start jogging to home. So I get doubled off third base, and I was the winning run. I don't know why I didn't tag up. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. So I think that's kind of the reason why I just was like, I'm staying in this game. I'm pitching more. <laughs> so I just went out and threw three more innings. I was actually going to go out again in the 11th, but – I, back in the, I think back then there was a rule that said uh, you could you couldn't throw more than ten innings in one week. Uh, as a, you did as it a, in one game, <laughs> so I did it in one game, so I couldn't go pitch anymore. Uh, luckily, we got 
because the I think two games before our other pitcher Zach Woods he uh, he came in and relieved me. I think he only had three because he threw a complete game on Friday night, so he was down to his last inning. So I don't know who was going to pitch if we didn't tie that thing up in the or win the game in the twelfth. So it's uh, pretty interesting, man. It was it was a lot of fun. I remember it vividly. Yeah, it, it was reading the game story. It just sounds it just sounds like one of those amazing moments and. Hopefully, we have more amazing moments here coming up soon. Hopefully, baseball can get back on, not just in the high school level, but college level. You're a big go-to-you guy. And then hopefully, we can see you play for the Nets sometime soon. So, Daniel, I, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a, a, a plans to go to the zoo today, a drive-through zoo yeah. out in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I got to get the kids out of the house some way, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we hope you and your family stay safe. Again, thanks uh, for joining us. And I'd like to thank everyone who did tune in. Uh, and actually, we did just get one thing. Sean Markham did hit a homer off of you uh, for the Phillies. So the Juju's the Juju's gone. You're fine. You you don't have to no. knock on wood or anything. So I remember on. that because it was Markham was with the Brewers. It was a grand slam. I gave a okay, grand so slam to the pitcher. Okay, so it wasn't Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave up a grand slam to the pitcher that year in 2011. I was like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. And I'd like to thank everybody, as always, for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, Optima Health, ESPN Radio. This video will be on our Facebook live, Facebook uh, page, so you'll be able to go back, watch it again. Uh, archived episodes of Paul Call are on our uh, VASportsHOF.com on our website. Once again, I'm Will Driscoll uh, with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, hoping everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, and hopefully we get sports back soon. Thanks for joining, everybody.